Is Jesus God? Boy, that's a really good question. The gospel lesson for this week, John 10, verse 22 and following. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe, because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus tells us emphatically, openly, publicly, clearly who he is. And in their day, as in our day, there's no lack of opinion about Jesus' person. So I've made a little list for you before we let Jesus speak for himself. How many of you, when you are talking about Jesus, you find that people have lots of opinions about him and they are very quite a lot? In the world of religion, the Baha'is will say he's a manifestation of God and a prophet, but inferior to Muhammad and Ali. The Buddhists will say that he's not God, but he's an enlightened man, like the Buddha, but not quite as chubby. If you ask the Christian science founder, Mary Baker Eddy, and I don't get Christian science, there's no Christians and there's no science. To me, it's kind of like grape, nuts, grape nut cereal. You open the box and there's no grapes and there are no nuts. So I'm not sure who did the branding, but the founder of Christian science will say Jesus Christ is not God. Hinduism has many views of Jesus, but they will generally say he's not the only God, but that he is just a wise man like Krishna. Islam says that Jesus is a mere man. He is a prophet inferior to Muhammad. What about famous folks? Frederick Nietzsche, the atheist. You know what he said? He said, Jesus died too soon. If he had lived to my age, he would have repudiated his doctrine. Nietzsche said, it's too bad he died as a young man. If he lived longer, he would have become an atheist like me. Now, Nietzsche's dead. Jesus is alive. American psychologist Rollo May says that Christ is the therapist for all humanity. Fidel Castro, the Cuban dictator, remember what he said? I never saw a contradiction between the ideas that sustained me and the ideas that symbol of that extraordinary figure, Jesus Christ. Fidel Castro said Jesus was a great communist. Adolf Hitler said in boundless love, I know, don't you think of those two things together? Adolf Hitler and boundless love? Hmm. In boundless love, this is what he writes, 
as a Christian, as a man, I read how terrific was his fight for the world against the Jewish poison. Adolf Hitler said Jesus was a good Nazi. Adolf Hitler is dead. Jesus is alive. Mahatma Gandhi said, I cannot say that Jesus was uniquely divine. He was as much God as Krishna or Rama or Comet or Zoroaster, just a spiritual man. What about Jesus and the cults? What do they say? Well, Jehovah Witnesses say he is a created being. He is the archangel Michael. The Mormons say he is the polygamist half-brother of Lucifer and became one of many gods like so many others. Scientology says that Jesus is an implant forced upon a Phaeton about a million years ago. I don't even know what that means. I can't think in those categories. The progressive and or liberal Christians say Jesus is just a great socialist liberator. There are lots of opinions regarding who Jesus is. Everybody has an opinion and everybody can say whatever they want about Jesus because he's dead now. Some people think. The question is, who did Jesus say he is? To me, that would be the most important, the most significant. And it says in the Bible that God made us in his image and likeness. And it's kind of like we return the favor. It's like everyone looks in the mirror and says, well, there's an awesome human being. And if everyone was, was like that, I'm sure the world would be a better place. I'm sure Jesus was just like me. Who did Jesus say that he is? If you want to really get to know someone, think about this. If you want someone to get to know you, you would think that it's important that they don't listen to the critics, that they listen to you. If you want to get to know someone really well, you listen to what they have to say about themselves. And so that takes us to John chapter 10. Jesus' ministry has been going for a few years, and there is this feud that is culminating, it's brewing. And it is the religious leaders that are harassing Jesus. They are following him. They are opposing him. He's gone from rural ministry, and now he's to, into urban ministry. He's at the temple. He's where there are large crowds of people who come to see his works and come to hear his words. And it all culminates in John 10. Here's the context. Jerusalem the holiest place on earth as far as the Jews were concerned, the temple, the very presence of God, where people come to be in the presence of God together. And it's during a feast or a festival of, called dedication. So what is that? Okay, briefly. The Syrian king, it's about 200 years before this, his name was Antiochus Epiphanes. His goal was to destroy Jerusalem and the Jewish people. He attacked Jerusalem and killed up to 80,000 Jews, sold another 80,000 into slavery. That was around 165 BC. So imagine that. All of a sudden, ISIS 
hit. And 80,000 Christians are dead and another 80,000 taken into slavery. He stole money from the temple treasury. He outlawed the Jewish faith. He said it was a crime to have a copy of the Old Testament or to even circumcise a child. Mothers who did have their sons circumcised were crucified with their children hung around their necks. Yeah, that's what I read. There's a lot of opposition to God's people. Temple courts were transformed into brothels. The sacred altar in the temple, get this, was used to worship Zeus and sacrifices were made to the Greek gods. It was a low point in the history of God's people. But then Judas Maccabeus and his brother led a revolution. They were victorious in battle. They liberated and cleansed the temple and returned the worship of God and instituted this feast, the Feast of Dedication. So, side note, we need to stop right then and now, right here and now, and appreciate those who put themselves in harm's way so that we can have our freedoms. Yep, military, first responders, police officers, thank you so much. The Feast of Dedication is also known as Hanukkah, or the Festival of Lights. Okay, so they were oppressed, and they couldn't worship God. Now they are liberated, and can worship God, and God shows up, and they don't worship Him. So, you can have the freedom to worship, freedom to worship God, Thank you for those who fought for the freedom of Western civilization in the world wars. You can have the freedom to worship God, but then don't act on that freedom and worship God. Huh? You say, yes, they are very religious, but don't confuse religious with worshiping God. They worship their traditions their man-made institutions, their regulations and rules, God shows up in the person and work of Jesus Christ and they don't worship him. It's a great thing for others to secure our freedom to worship God, but we need to make sure that we are worshiping God, that they didn't just die in vain and not just because we're religious or spiritual. Worshiping the right God is so important. So this is the context. And the question they have is the most important question in the history of the world. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. You need to know that what they are hoping Jesus does is either he recants what he has said before, that he is God, that he recants, or that he absolutely reasserts that, and as a result, they have a right to put him to death. Either way, the crowds are watching. They've picked up their rocks. They are able to stone him if he is a violator of the Old Testament blasphemy laws. I mean, this is like a man who is before a firing squad. 
I want you to see calm Jesus. He doesn't live in fear. He lives by faith. Everyone is watching and waiting for him to respond. Just tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And this word Christ means the anointed one, the chosen one, the selected one, the unique one, the exclusive one. This was the title from the Old Testament that God was coming into human history to rule, to reign, and he was superior to and unlike all others. And as they were delivered by this great deliverer for this festival, God would come and give them an even greater and eternal deliverance. Jesus, who are you? And Jesus answered them, I told you. How many of you have heard that Jesus never told anyone, never said anywhere that he was God? Yeah, that's a myth. That's a legend. That's folklore. That's made up by his followers, this God business. Many, many years after he died and rose again, it was all made up by the church. Let me tell you, don't believe it because it's not true. Jesus over and over and over again, said in various ways to various groups at various times, I am God. Quote, I told you and you do not believe. Now some of you know people like this. They ask questions about faith. You give them the answer, but they don't believe. You tell them more, they still don't believe. It's not that they don't know. You've told them. It's that they don't believe what they know. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, of my flock. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. How many of you mums know exactly what that's like? This is my kid. I'm not going to lose my kid. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. The Bible repeated emphasis. There is one God. Every day, three times a day, the Jews would echo the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They would say to the say to themselves multiple times a day, God, one, one God, one God, one God. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Man, this is a huge statement. How do we know? They picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he said he was God. They said it's not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you, 
Jesus, a mere man, claimed to be God. Did Jesus ever say he was God? Yes, he did. Jesus said he was God, and don't let anyone, don't let any other religion, don't let any other teacher, any other so-called expert tell you otherwise. It's right there in the Bible, recorded for us, Jesus said he was God. Now, why didn't they believe? Because they were not his sheep. And in that culture, the sheep would be out in the pasture and the shepherd would live with the sheep. Yeah, he would. And when the sheep began to wander, the shepherd would call out to them. And the sheep would recognize their shepherd's voice and they would come to him. They would not listen to any other shepherd and they would come to their shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. If he calls your name and you run to him, this we call faith, belief, trust. It proves that you are one of his sheep. And what Jesus says is, I call and you don't come. And therefore you are not one of my sheep. Everybody in that culture would understand that and we can understand that too. There are those who love him and there are those who do not love him. There are those who run to him and there are those who run away from him. Now, let me ask you, are these moral people? Very moral people. Are these people spiritual? Very spiritual. Are they religious people? Very religious people. But let me tell you, you can be moral, you can be spiritual, you can be religious, and still not know Jesus. Here's something else. It's Mother's Day, and I got a comment on this phrase. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Have you ever been on an airplane with a bunch of little babies? Children are a blessing, no, no doubt, but maybe not so much a blessing on a crowded airplane. But let me tell you, when turbulence comes and every one of those mothers, they're holding tight their children. Not one of them is going to drop their baby, even in all that turbulence. Zero mothers drop their babies. Think about it. Look at mothers with newborns. They don't drop their babies. And mothers understand this. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you are a Christian, you're in God's hands. God the Father, God the Son, you are in the hands. And he does not drop his kids. And I need you to know that. That you are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. I need you to know that so that you can work from that relationship, not for that relationship. You can have confidence in Christ because he's a very good shepherd. So, do you believe that Jesus is God? You need to answer that question for yourself. That's what we believe here at Peace. Yes, Jesus is God. Isn't it wonderful that in a world full of speculation, I don't know what religion 
to follow. I don't know what philosophy to believe. I don't know whose opinion I should take. I don't know who to follow. I don't know who to listen to. I don't know who to trust. In a world full of speculation, God says, I'll just come down and make this real simple. You're a sinner. I'm a savior. You need me. I love you. What do you think? Yeah. Let's have a relationship. You trust and believe in me. I am your God. That's what Jesus is saying. And you know what the end of the chapter says? Many people came to him. And many people believed in him. Wow. They came to him and they believed in him. And that's what you are doing today. Every time you go to church, you're coming to Jesus. And it's your belief and your trust in him as your Savior that is drawing you to come to Jesus. That's drawing you to listen to his word, even on these podcasts. Now, I just want to say there's three levels of belief. The first is to believe something. Two plus two equals four. You believe that. The risk is not very high. It's fairly impersonal. The next level is to believe in something, to have faith in something, and you act on it, and there's more risk. You walk across a bridge, and you hope that it doesn't collapse. Bit more risk to believe in something. And finally, there is to believe in someone. Ooh. Do you trust them? Are you going to have a relationship with them? Are you going to open your heart to them? Are you going to open your wallet to them? That's trust. Are you going to open your home to them? Whoa, that's trust. Are you going to open your family to them? Are you going to open your life to them? That's a trusting relationship. That is the place of greatest risk, greatest vulnerability, but the deepest relationship. Jesus wants you to believe in him like that, to trust him, not just to believe something or in something, but to believe in the someone who is God. He loves you. He cares for you. He forgives you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He didn't come to punish you. He came to be punished for you. He tells you that he is God. And the biggest problem we have, and also those in John 10, is that we just want to be our own gods. So we're threatened when he says he is God. We want to rule over our own life. We want to make our own destiny. We trust ourselves more than we trust Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hold on. I and the Father 
are one. Jesus comes to save us from our sins and to save us from ourselves to be our Savior and our God. Amen.